the prayer of the lowly. Yesterday I was walking around the homecoming tailgate, and amidst the different tailgates in the crowd, I saw this couple that I know uh, visiting their, their child at school here, and we didn't talk very long, but then the, the father takes his hat off and says, Father, would you give us your blessing? And so in the middle of tailgating and beer and everything running around, there's these two people who just bow their heads and just like, would you give us your blessing today? It's just an incredible act of humility saying, we need God's help to get through today. Like God is the one who can help me. And I'm not too proud that in the midst of this crowd and who cares or who knows what people will think that I need God's help. It struck me that these were humble, lowly people asking for prayer. In our first reading from from Sirach, we hear the prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds. It goes on to say, and the Lord will not delay. That our prayer that we, we humbly bring before God, that, that he hears, it's, it's the, the broken, there's these different phrases that we hear today. The, the cry of the oppressed, the weak, the orphan, the beaten down, the lonely, the depressed, the anxious. And we cry out to the Lord, like, God, help me. God, I need you. That the Lord will not delay That's important to hear because it sets up a contrast in our gospel. Jesus talks about two different people going up to the temple to pray. Hey, that's great. You know, they're, they're, they're both going up to pray. I mean, prayer is a good thing. Like, that's cool. But they're very different. And Jesus is telling this because of his audience. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everybody else. The Pharisee prays like this, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of humanity. Greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on my whole income. Can you you feel the pride? Can you feel, you know, this, this feeling of I'm better than others? I just finished a, a book on narcissism. It's called The Narcissist You Know. And what the author is saying that there's, there's two, he says to define a narcissist, it's basically two things. A narcissist has an inflated sense of self, i.e. I'm better than other people. And the narcissist lacks empathy for others. I don't care. Like they're doing whatever, but here's what I'm going through. And that's what matters. But by the end, the, well, and, and, and we, we kind of, we do this all the time. I mean, subtly. Hey, you know what? Go get a job. Hey, hey, you, sh- you should have studied harder. Not my problem. Hey, the, you should have come to this country legally. That any, anything that puts us, that I'm better than you, I'm higher and I don't really care about your situation. Every situation is complex, you know, challenging, requires understanding, intellect. 
But to just dismiss it? It's not of God. At the end of the story of the, the narcissist book, he says, the biggest narcissist you know, but the one you don't want to admit, is the one you look at in the mirror. That all of us are narcissistic. When people say something to us and it hurts our pride, like, hey, he's like, we're all narcissistic. And the ones who don't realize it are the bigger ones. And so I, it, I, I think we feel it. I'm kind of belaboring the point a little bit just because it sets up what Jesus is trying to say today. You know, it's, and we think about this, right? If, if only everyone out there was just as smart as me and just understood it. If you all just figured out this line system, we can, you know, or if, you know, if, if everybody was as open-minded and tolerant as me, you know, if everybody just had the same political beliefs as me, if everybody just acted like me, the world would just be a better place. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I mean, it's, we can't help but feel, think that way sometimes. I think Jesus is trying to wake us up. That's, that's not of him. I, on Friday night, I went, uh, some of the students, went with some students over to the carnival, and I was kind of bouncing around, talking to people, and I found myself in the line uh, for uh, the Ring of Fire, and... <laughs> Which I think was the longest line, you know, like it took forever. And, um, and so I was sitting there and, and actually I hadn't planned on writing the line, you know, but like it was taking forever. And then I realized why, because people kept cutting the line. What is, what is line cutting? Line cutting is, you know, hey, I'm, I don't know if you realize who I am, but I'm more important than you. So... <laughs> I'm going to go here, and I know you've been waiting longer, but I don't really care about you. It's, it's subtle, but it's narcissistic. It's self-centered. Now, in full confession, um, I actually cut the line. I was, uh, I w- but I wasn't planning on doing the right. I was standing, I was talking to people in line. We were about 15 from the back. But by the time we got to 15 from the front, they made me realize that I couldn't not ride the ride. And so, I, anyways, but, but, but that's how it is, right? Like, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for them. And so it's, it's so subtle and sinister. And here's this Pharisee, he's saying good things. I, I fast, I pay tithes, I'm praying, I'm in the temple. This is the problem, this is the sin, this is the trap for holy people. That without realizing it, these subtle things creep in and they're undercutting what Jesus is trying to do in our lives. So then Jesus contrasts that with the tax collector who stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That the tax collector is very aware of his own shortcomings. He's examining his own heart. He's He's not doing it at the expense of somebody else. He's not comparing himself. At least I'm doing better than them. He's looking at, he's realizing that it's he himself standing alone before God. And he owns it. And what does he do? He asks for God's help and mercy. Jesus says, I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. 
For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I love this line, and we caught it in the psalm today. What is, what is the tax collector, what is the sinner doing? No one incurs guilt who takes refuge in him. That the one who's a sinner, it's like God, we talk about we take uh, refuge in the shadow of his wings. It's like God is standing there to protect us. And when I am guilty and sinful, I, I feel ashamed. I feel like people can see it. I feel exposed. But what the Lord invites me to do is to come and take refuge in him. To sub- submit my sinfulness to bring my guilt to him. And he's the one who wants to protect me. Like the, the father, the prodigal son, who embraces his son, who puts a robe around his shoulders. Like, I want to protect you. That this guilt will beat you down. That your sin is too heavy for you. But I want to help protect you. And so that's what we're invited to do is to is to submit, to, to place ourselves in his hands. That, that's what we do in, in like confession, for example. Sometimes, every now and then, um, nobody here at the Newman Center would say this, but they come to confession and they'll say, you know, I don't know, Father, I've been a pretty good person. Like, then why are you in confession? Why don't you hear my confession? You know, like... It's like, well, if, if we're a good person, then what we're saying is, I save myself. But it's not our good works that save us. It's not my resume of like, here's all the good things I've done. Look at all the people I've helped. Let me into heaven. That's not how it works. It's not how much time we spend in prayer. God, I pray for an hour every day. It's not my personal holiness that gets me into heaven. It's Jesus. The Savior. It's Jesus who, who, who takes me in my sinfulness and says, I will save you. You can't save yourself, but I love you and I want to come and help you. That he's the one who has mercy on me in my loneliness. That he, he wants to give me the gift of salvation, but am I open to receiving it? If I'm too busy doing it my way and trying to, you know, and point out the problems with other people, that, that my hands aren't open to receiving the gift of salvation. That he's the one who wants to save you, save us, to rescue us. St. Paul says it this way, the Lord will rescue me from every evil threat and will bring me safe to his heavenly kingdom. That he will bring me to his kingdom. Not, I will bang on the door and say, I have a right to be there. I did everything you ever asked. It'll be Jesus who brings me to his kingdom. Can, can you hear the distinction there? It's not, I've been a good person, but it's Jesus saving me, no matter how much good or bad we've done. Like, you know, homecoming weekend, not everybody makes the best choices, you know? And, and, and God says, it doesn't matter today. Today's Sunday. It doesn't matter how much good we've done. It doesn't matter how much bad we've done. What matters is, am I willing to open the door to receive his gift of salvation? Am I willing to be humble and lowly to go to, to, 
to go to the Lord with who I am, where I am, to receive his gift of salvation. You see, the example of lowliness that we have is Jesus, who though he was God, is God, humbled himself, becoming human, and embracing suffering, suffering on a cross for you and I. That Jesus did not stand back, but Jesus chose to come to humble himself, to be with us in our, in our brokenness, in our suffering, so that he could lift us up to the Father. That that's why he comes, that he, he's the lowly one who wants to heal me where I need it. He invites us to open the door to, to let him in. This, this prayer of the tax collector day, it's, it was, it's been made into the Jesus prayer, we call it. It's a very simple prayer, and it's worth memorizing. Um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Many, many saints have prayed this hundreds of times a day. They don't, they don't just like sit down and pray it a hundred times. They, they, say, they make it the prayer of their hearts as they live their day, as, they get it, as they're driving down the street, as they're walking to class, as they're doing their homework, and they, they hit the frustrating moment. You're like, ah, oh, I can't figure this out. Then we turn and we say, Lord, I need help. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Like, I can't do this without you, God. And what are we doing there? We're, we're turning our eyes to heaven. We're turning our eyes to our Savior who's waiting to save us. That he's the one who runs to us with love to help us to, to, lower, his, to lower himself at our prayer. That he makes himself responsive. And we can respond. We can say any moment. We can say now. We can say it later. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life, not me. And it's that lowly prayer that pierces the clouds.